Happy Friday, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode number 163 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert D. Foster. If you're joining us on the audio platform, thank you. Please leave us a five-star review. If you're joining us on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel and like the video. Help us grow. Help us get the word out so we can inspire more people. If you're joining us on Facebook, same thing, like and share. Don't keep the great information we're going to share with you to yourself. And the show is all about overcoming obstacles. It's about defying the odds and the journey that my guests take on their route to their successes. So if you're someone that you might feel like you're stuck in a rut or you just hit a mountain that's just too hard to climb, this is the show for you. If you feel like this show isn't for you, I encourage you to stick around because I promise you we're going to say something that's going to resonate with you on some level. So don't judge it by my opening my opening speech here like let us get into the topic and you're, you're gonna find out that what we're gonna share is gonna have the power to change how you view everything and if you would like to like a further introduction of myself this is me i started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of front of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. It starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your work. All right, it's time for today's teachable moment. So, you know, I talk on this show a lot about self-care, self-love, self-awareness, self-healing, you know, there's a whole lot of whole lot of self things going on, and I'm trying to take away the negative stigma of the word selfish, because as you know, selfish means to better oneself by using others, you know, or using others for personal gain. Okay, we, we want to squash that one. We want to focus on, as I just said, all the selves I just named. And when it comes to when it comes to your emotional responses to negative things. You know, I constantly say, don't give other people control of your emotions. And then people push back and say, oh, well, it's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. So we're going to go back 121 years. And we're going to listen to a quote from a man. Well, not listen to a quote, but you're going to see a quote from a man who was a slave, who was treated poor, poor, poorly, who lived in awful conditions. And yet he had this to say. This is Booker T. Washington. I will permit no man to narrow and degrade my soul by making me hate him. Just think about it. So someone who lived in those times and dealt with those conditions had enough emotional awareness to say he's not going to hate any man. So if someone who did that can do it, I have faith you can do it as well. All right. So today we're going to be talking about helping students. And I've actually done many videos on this topic because I usually, I mainly work with, with athletes, but I traveled well, in 2019 anyway, I haven't got back to it this year yet, but I traveled around in different schools and teaching kids about how to properly display confidence because we know there's a fine line between confidence and cocky. And so just trying to let the kids know it's okay to stand up and be heard. It's okay to showcase your talent. It's not showing off. Like you're, you're showing, look, this is what, what I can do. I can show you how to do it as well. You know, so there's ways that you can present yourself and there's ways that we can teach these kids how to be confident and how, how to stand up and how to deal with the challenges that life is going to bring to you. And so my guest does this as well. This is his field. And who is this guest? He is a 30-year higher education professional, a college professor, and an author. He is a first-generation student 
His expertise is working with students as they transition from high school to work, two and four year colleges and universities. He created a business called Thriving Life Coaching, and it's an academic readiness coaching, sorry, readiness coaching business helping students to become their best in high school and college. And their motto is every student needs a little TLC. So help me welcome to the show, Reginald Ryder. Morning, sir. Good morning, Robert. How are you? I am great, great to see you. Great to see you as well. Where are you, you joining us from? I'm uh, joining you from just outside of uh, Washington, D.C. in Virginia. Okay. D.C. area. Nice. Yes. All right. So can, can you just answer something? When is, when is the football team going to get a name? <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like the name when they finally get it is going to be a special one because it's been a long time coming. But uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're still trying to figure out what uh, what their identity is, at least at this point. Anyway. Let, let, me see, let me see what you think of this idea. So I had a guest on the show a few months ago, Amanda Clements. She's down in that same area. And I actually asked her the same question. And she said she kind of likes it and that all of the major teams should do it in, in the D.C. area. So have Washington baseball team, Washington right. soccer team. I was like, that that's actually kind of cool. I mean, it is, <laughs> it is, it is cool. It is unique. Um, but they need a name. They need a mascot. They need, they need a mascot. No, they need, need an, an identity beyond what they previously used because yes. uh, clearly that, that wasn't working. And, yeah. um, you know, finally, finally they've gotten the, uh, Finally, they got the message. <laughs> so, so uh, we're gonna go go off script for a second. So, what do you think about about the name change? Because, like, I used to say for years that how can you use other human beings as mascots? <laughs> so, so what, what is your thoughts on that? Well, and I think that's an interesting that's an interesting thought. And I also think it. I guess the way that I see it is is that it's hard to have a, a mascot and an identity for a team that. I think, uh, uh, you know, modern day and, and historically have had, you know, negative connotations to them. And, and yeah. r- really, if you know the, the breakdown of what Redskins is, Redskins, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but I'll at least explain it to you, yeah. at least the way it was explained to me. Yeah. Was that back in the um, uh, War of 1812, the, the French and the British used Native Americans to help with the you know, in the, in their war effort, yeah. but the only way that they could show proof of their, of their deed of, you know, killing someone was in fact, putting their, um, you know, taupe, the taupe leather skins, yeah. scalping somebody and putting them in there. So by the time they, the, the, the blood had, you know, reached their, uh, you know, the, the skin itself, which is how they, how the name conjured for red skins. So, in one respect, there's a very negative connotation to it, and that you clearly, yeah. clearly you got to kill somebody in order to make for this for this to happen. But the fact that it's stuck for as long as it has, you know, says a lot. And so, yeah, they they definitely need a new name. They need a a, a different identity. And clearly, we're in the you know the the nation's capital. So, yeah. I, I would want to think that what we're going to use is going to be something that's going to be you know inspirational or uplifting. Uh, but not nearly as negative as it would be, you know, in, in using their, their their former name, the Washington football team. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, imagine if there was a team called like the Hollywood Hispanics or the, yeah. New, or the New York Negroes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that would never fly. So like, that I, would, I exactly. Never, I never exactly. understood why it was OK to make Indians mascots and like why there wasn't more outrage over that. But and, and it's funny because actually a lot of the uh, um, the. Um, athletic conference for the college that I went to, they, their mascot was in fact um, an, an Indian nation at one point and they changed their name. Mm. Um, and they did that probably 10 or 15 years ago. So clearly they were in a very much more progressive space um, and not necessarily seeing it from a monetary gain than just, you know, a, a name in and of itself. Um, but yeah, it, a lot of things have changed in the last, you know, probably, you know, 18 to 24 months, uh, a lot of them, you know, uh, good and, and reasonable. Hopefully this will be another one that will fit within that same uh, box at some way, in some way or fashion as well. Nice. See, like I told you back, backstage, you never know where this conversation is going to go. That's okay. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I got my catcher's mitt, man. I'm ready. I'm ready. I love it. All right. So are you originally from the DC area? 
No, I'm actually not. My dad was in the uh, Air Force, and so we bounced around a lot. My okay. believe it or not, my birthplace is actually uh, Rapid City, South Dakota. Okay. But I've lived in uh, South Dakota, Georgia, Indiana, and Oregon uh, as a kid. And then on my own, I've lived in Pennsylvania, New York, and Pennsylvania. Okay. All right. So which out of those areas, which one's your favorite? I mean, obviously you're in D.C. now, but right. is, there, is um, there any other place that, that you miss? I I miss being on the West Coast in uh, Oregon. It was just beautiful. It was uh, where we lived where we lived at, you could, if you went up on kind of the highest point, you could see basically uh, the, 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 the uh, pine trees, you could see uh, the sand dunes and you see a big spray of blue. So it was uh, mm. amazing because we live pretty close to the ocean. Yeah. Um, so th that was when I was probably between five and 10. So those were some very you know formative years. And I still, to this day, you know, love and like the beach a lot just because of, uh, you know, living there. Yeah. Awesome. So how would you describe yourself? Well, I would describe myself as, uh, you know, a practitioner of and helping students get to their, you know, get to their 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 peak, to their 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 pinnacle of uh, academic um, academic experience and academic uh, you know accomplishment. My own story is that as a a student in high school and even in college, at least to, for the start, I was an average student. I didn't. I worked hard, but I didn't work real hard. I was intelligent and I was able to kind of make it happen in that regard based on my memory and things of that sort, but nothing that I had really applied. And so by the time I got to college and, uh, you know, realized for myself that I, what I did know and what I didn't know and my kind of deficits in between, it was kind of an eye-opening experience. Um, I, did, I never did horrible in, in school. Um, even as a high school student, but when I got to college, you know, my first, I can tell you tra full transparency, my first GPA as a student was a 2.142. Mm. You know, I wasn't a horrible student, so I wasn't on academic probation, but to say that I was at my max, I clearly wasn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was a social butterfly and I had the the t-shirt mm. and the sweatshirt from the school that I went to and the whole nine, but that was really it. And so it, I, slowly, slowly uh, but surely learned over the span of time, you know, how to study. I'm the youngest of five. I have a, uh, a twin sister, um, but I'm the first in my, in my family to get a master's degree. And my nice. sister has since followed and done that as well. But, um, you know, all of it done through the guise of a kind of a first generation. My dad was in the Air Force, and so we didn't, and we were an Air Force family. But, um, and my dad did some community college, but not actually anything, you know, beyond that. Um, my parents grew up in the Jim Crow South of uh, Georgia. And so, you know, the access to, uh, you know, school and good schools in that respect was very limited. So uh, my mom did finish high school. My dad did not, but my dad went in the Air Force. And so that be kind of, in one respect or another, became his college because he kind of, you know, came into his own as a man. Yes. Um, Cross-trained and did a lot of, you know, uh, good things and great things, you know, survived uh, the Korean War and the, uh, Vietnam War, wow. unscathed, you know, thank God, um, but really imparted to my brothers and sisters and I the need and the necessity for uh, for for uh, education and it still resonates in my head even now uh, that my you know, my father saying to us, you know, if I'd had the chance or opportunity that you all have right now, you know, there's no telling where I would be. And so kind of hearing that kind of resonate in my head, you know, uh, you know, ad nauseum in some respects, especially as a kid. I I wanted to do what I could, you know, for myself, but really in one respect, in homage and uh, patronage to, you know, both my mom and dad for their, all the sacrifices that they made. So all that has led to um, when I got out of school and I graduated, I started working at an admissions office at the uh, university I went to. I went to Ball State University in Indiana. Okay. And so as part of what happened in that regard, I felt like as a first generation student, although I would never call myself that then, but as knowing what it is now, mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that the students that I worked with uh, through their admissions process, that they had a much better understanding about what the process was like of going to school than I did coming into it. You know, I can tell you, I applied to one school. I got into one university. That was where I went. But did I know what I was doing when I got there? You know, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And so my, I guess, uh, kind of career, but my calling both 
has been in working with students in that respect and helping them. So fast forward, probably, you know, after my uh, master's degree and uh, some other work actually, experience. Actually, let me let me pause you there. Hold on. Sure. All right. So we'll stop off at the master's degree. Jot that down. All right. So how would you describe your, your relationship with your parents? Wonderful. I just spoke with them just a few minutes before we, uh, we came on today. Nice. Nice. And so how about with your siblings? Uh, we're all close. I mean, I, because we were an Air Force family and they were uh, as African-Americans in the Air Force, at least for where we were stationed, we were few and far between. We became our own unit and community. And so we're we're we're, we're still tight to this day. Um, which is great. So I, I can really appreciate that, uh, especially given the pandemic, you know, it, it, it a whole lot's happened in a little bit of time, but we've been, you know, we've fortunately, thank God we've been able to dodge the bullet. So uh, it's all been, been good, but we, uh, I hadn't actually seen my family and my sister lives in the uh, uh, area as well, but my family I hadn't seen since September, 2019, but I just saw them. We just saw each other in uh, July. Uh, so it was great. So it was a family reunion of, you know, epic proportions in, in that regard, just, you know, nice. connecting and catching up uh, with each other. We clearly were doing it over the phone, but, you know, it's nothing like doing it in person. Oh, of course. Yeah. And I, I understand that that big family dynamic is I'm the youngest of seven. OK. Yes. Yeah, so I follow you. I, I follow that. you. And my parents have been married this 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 year will be for them. They have been married uh, 65 years. So, wow. you know, that. That that should say a lot without saying anything. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. my parents were fifty three, but my dad passed in twenty nineteen. I'm sorry just, to hear that. Nope, no problem. Thank you. It was like just before COVID, though, so it it was actually okay. Yeah. You know, so like whenever I talk about it, people get thrown off that that I say that. Like, like it's okay. I mean, he was seventy nine. Yeah. You know, he had seven kids. He's got, I think, what thir- between between the grandkids and the great grandkids. I think there was like thirty six. I want to say mm. maybe maybe even more now. He died with uh, three generations of us at his bedside because oh, we, wow. we we had to end we had to end care. He had hit a uh, stage four heart failure. Okay, and so then he went into into cardiac arrest, and he was on life support. So, but but he he had a good ending, you know. And I had him for forty five years, so it's 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 t- it's tough to be mad when there's people that never knew their father. Exactly, <laughs> you know. So it's no, like when, exactly when you look exactly. at it from a, from a place of gratitude, like I can talk about it without breaking down, you know. Gotcha. Because it's like there's just so much good that happened there. But exactly. But anyways, let's get let's get back back on on topic here. All right, so you you finished with your bachelor's, you go to get your master's. Now, what was your goal for getting the master's? That's actually an interesting story. So, <clears throat> you know, I I wanted to try and do all I could to remove all the limits that I possibly could from what I could do or what I was capable of. So that was kind of the, the, the backdrop of it. But it actually that actually came through a, a, a different situation than I probably would have been maybe traditional situation. So I went to a leadership conference and I was working at a college or university and I took some students there. I went the first year and I really enjoyed it. I said, listen, going to bring some students, want to make sure that you get this experience as well. And so in the process of doing so, I um, one of the keynote speakers at this leadership conference that I went to was um, uh, Reverend, the Reverend Al Sharpton. And something even now it sticks very prophetically in my head when he said it and it, and it could be because he said, you know, we were talking, it was a leadership conference and he said, leaders do a good job, job of taking care of other people, but who takes care of leaders? And so it really hit me like a ton of bricks. It's like, yeah, I'm doing all these, you know, great things for students, writing them letters of recommendation, supporting them through their academic program, et cetera, writing them, you know, getting them references for, you know, grad school and other things, but I'm not taking care of me. So, I took a step back and, uh, you know, as he continued to talk, it resonated with me, it resonated with me. And so I talked to a mentor of mine that was at the conference too. And I said, you know, I need to go back to school because I've been trying to go back to school and I was trying to do it part-time and I was going to have to pay for it and the whole nine. It was just like, things weren't lining up. She introduced me to who the uh, individual became, eventually became my grad advisor. And I showed my resume because I was you know, ready and prepared in kind of every respect that I needed to be. And he said, yes, this shouldn't be any problem. I got into graduate school. They waived my out-of-state fees and they, you know, paid for my assistantship and, you know, nice. put two years in 
and you know got a, uh, my master's degree from uh, James Madison University. So uh, it wasn't quite the way that I planned it, and it meant that I had to kind of quit and stop kind of every other thing that I was doing in my life at that particular point. But it was the best decision I made, and you know things lined up for me perfectly. So. Awesome. Um, you know, I'm all, I'm all the better for it. So yeah, I'm, I'm really happy about that. Awesome. Congrats. Thank and, you. And, and so in the power, and I always say the teachable moment in that was it wasn't the way you planned it. Yeah. Because usually when people hit that part, they have this one vision, life th- throws you a couple lemons. Yeah. And then they, they, they just throw up, they, oh, this wasn't meant to be. It's, it's like, no, no, no. Like just because the path isn't straight doesn't mean you throw you throw your hands up it's exactly. okay it's like success looks like this <laughs> it's not a straight line <laughs> it does. at all it does <laughs> i just saw something in a ted talk probably about a week ago and it talked about kind of a five second rule and i was like what's the five second rule i know five second rule we think of like when you something hits the ground when you're eating it and you're like okay it's okay it's five seconds it's okay <laughs> it won't, it's okay it won't hurt right but five second rule in this respect was it was in relationship to procrastinating because I could have very easily have put up all the roadblocks. Well, I'm still working. I've got a salary. I'm working with students. I'm committed to my job and all these other things. And it's like, take five seconds and really just think about, uh, don't think about it and just do it. And so when I, when I said out of my mouth, I really need to go back to graduate school. And then someone, I said that to somebody and they didn't necessarily take my bluff, but they said, I've got an opportunity for you that may work. You know, but it's still even been easy to, at that point to say, no, no, no. I said yes, or at least maybe. And enough of those maybes and yes coupled together, you know, got me to the next, got me to the next spot and to the next level. And, you know, I've felt like at that point, the roadblock that I was running into was that everybody was telling me you're a great candidate, but you don't have a master's. You're a great candidate, but you need more experience. You're a great candidate, candidate, but fill in the blank. You know, you're not wearing red today. I don't know. It could, you know, it could be anything, <laughs> right? So, you know, I, I wanted to, and I inst- wanted to instill this in my kids as well. It's like, you know, listen, the thing that I was most fearful of was graduate school because up to that point, you know, I'd done pretty good in school, but I didn't have a 3.0 and maintain a 3.0. I had a 2.8 by the time I finished with my bachelor's degree, you know, from a 2.14, you know, in, in the beginning. But I never main, had to or ever maintained a 3.0, you know, consistently for the, you know, for four semesters in a row. Yeah. So I would, so in my head, I kind of had imposter syndrome and wasn't sure if I was, you know, if I was really up to the task or if I was capable of it and the whole nine. And, you know, I clearly found that different. I, I did that and then some, you know, in graduate school. So, you know, my kids asked me, have asked me previously when they were, when they were younger, is there anything that I'm scared of? And that was the only thing that really in my life that I've really been scared of. And so I don't really have many, you know, many fears left, you know, a rattlesnake right in front of me. Sure. That makes sense. You know, you, you should be scared of a rattlesnake, but you know, beyond that, you know, that was the thing that I, once I overcame that, that, you know, everything else is just kind of felt like it's been a door and an open a door and a window that's I've been able to walk, walk through with, you know, greater access and better, greater, greater confidence. And so I try and instill those very same, same, strategies and tactics and, um, you know, mindsets for the students that I work with. Nice. So when, when I interview, when I interview my guests, I look for similarities. So people who watch this show on the regular know that I have many different things that I say. One of them is if you want to get something done or if you want to start uh, or if you want to accomplish something, you have to just put it out into the universe. It's what you got to do. It's like yep. you, you put it out into the universe and then someone says, "Oh, I might have some opportunities for you." <laughs> it's like it, it, it's it's that easy. It's it, that easy. It can like, be. Yeah, can it's be. Like you just put it out there. That's like if, if people are looking for something online, they're looking for a chiropractor. You go you go, go to Facebook. Are there any chiropractors in the DC area? You people are gonna blow up, blow that thread up with recommendations, right? You know, but just too many times. Like you mentioned, imposter syndrome is we look at the task and we think about all the things that we don't have to, to get the to, to get the part instead of thinking, all right, what do I have to do to get the part? <laughs> you know, it, exactly. it's, all, it's all in how you talk yourself. And I have a, a saying that I use is you got to talk about what comes after the butt. So uh-huh. in, so in the fitness world, 
You can say, I want to lose 20 pounds, but it's going to be hard. So your brain psychologically focuses on that it's going to be hard. But right. if you if you reverse it and you say it's going to be hard, but I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Yeah. So he's got a completely diff- different ring. Same sentence, just reversed. Got it. And, you know, and that's one of those things that w- when people hear it, it's like, wow. You know, one of those, one of those aha moments. So definitely, as, as we're getting into talking about the students now, I want to ask you about the educational process first, because in my opinion, everybody learns differently. They do. But, but they're all taught the same. Yep. You know, because whenever people talk about, you know, what are the biggest, biggest issues with the with the educational system? That's my thing. Like, I was working, I was volunteering at a school with the uh, behavioral kids. And as I walk into this room, the director points out this one kid in particular and was like, you know, watch out for that one. And I was like, Is, isn't he like 12? I'm like, what? Why do I have to watch out for the twelve-year-old? <laughs> so, He's taking lunch money today, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I said, "All right, when we when we split up into groups, just have him in my group." And I just started asking him questions. And so, just as I'm talking to him, it's like, "All right, this kid's got leadership qualities. People with leadership qualities don't like other people with leadership qualities, you know. Well, at that age, anyway, you know." And so I was like, "So this kid kind of resents authority." I said, so let's empower him. Instead of trying to take away his power, let's empower him. And so I put him working with two two other other students at, in my group, and he did a great job with it. And then we we went to sports, so we played basketball. I made him captain of the other team. Did phenomenal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so, the same kid that they were just warning me, this kid's a problem. It's like no, you have to find the right way to get through to. To him yelling and posturing over someone who's a leader they're not going to receive that well no not at all you know and then on the flip side someone who's super sensitive you know you you can't come at them strongly because no. they're, they're not going to receive that information then you have the doers the doers those are the people that'll do whatever you say Pretty and, and then you have the thinkers but they didn't have 5,000 questions for you <laughs> <laughs> right so so yes, it's like do. You yes, know, so so what do you so what are your thoughts on that? Because because I feel that's a huge thing that kids struggle with is that they don't all learn the same. Right. You know, I've I've actually taught in the classroom, and so yeah, I can I can speak to to that as well. So I, I, truly, I've been kind of a jack of all trades in the thirty years you know that I've been working uh, with students in one respect or another. I'm convinced, and I think what you said. Uh, resonates and I think reinforces what I'm about to say in that I think nine times out of 10, it's about the relationship. Yeah. It's not, it's not about the material because you're right. Material is the same. It's not about um, their ability or skill with it because basically everybody's coming in with a level of ignorance, you know, to it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm reminded by, um, uh, something that I heard the other, I think it's a Confucius said it, but I think it's something I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it exactly right. But, you know, a fool uh, who doesn't know something but asks a question, uh, you know, is a fool for a minute. But a, a, a person who doesn't ask a question at all is a fool for a lifetime. And so I think it's about relationship, but a student being in the mindset and 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 uh, having the the confidence enough to be able to say what it is that they don't know. Yes. Nine times out of 10, you're going to take that student under their wing. Nine times out of 10, you're going to protect, but also um, infuse them with the skills, knowledge, and you know whatever else they need to in order to be able to be successful. In, my, in the coaching business that I do, I've worked with students who are, you know, pretty much kind of everywhere in the continuum, you know, high flyers who, you know, don't need much help at all to people who struggle with, you know, organization and managing their time and, you know, you know, everything else in between. Mm-hmm. I just, I guess I, 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 I guess I, for lack of better words, I, I think I dumb it down to where they are and meet them where they are. And then that's not where we, that's where we start. 
that's not where we end. We get to the point to where they're now able to kind of elevate themselves and be able to see themselves in a different light, much like you talked about with the the, the young man that you were working with. Yes. And so I think more than anything else, I think that is what the, to me, that's the secret sauce. That's where I think we lose out. I think, I think in some respects, there are too many kids in a class for a teacher to be able to really care about, but you've also got to work within those conditions. So it may mean that as teachers uh, and practitioners that we have to find a different way and a better way to be able to gain those relationships. Because if I know on the other end of what I do or don't do that I'm going to disappoint Robert Foster because, you know, he's my, he's my dude or he's someone who's in my corner. I, I don't want that feeling. So I'm going to do everything I can in my power to not have that happen. And if it means that I get help from him or I get help from other people, then so be it. So a mantra, much like yeah, you talked about that uh, you live by, uh, and I mentioned in the book, but just kind of try and live my own life is you're on your own from the standpoint of being an individual and, and, and you know, an adult or an, a budding or an emerging adult in one respect or another, yeah. but you don't have to do it alone. And there's a difference between that. I think far too often we feel like, you know, we got to, if, you know, we can, you know, beat our chest and say, you know, I did it on my own. And no, you, no, you really didn't. There was someone, there was someone there, even if it was your, you know, mother and your father, if it was a, a mentor, if it was a favorite teacher, you know, whomever it may have been in your, in your life, you know, you're, you should be looking to make that person proud and create your own, you know, begin to create your own legacy. And, and you can create your own legacy at, you know, uh, eight years old and 12 years old and 16 years old and you know, 88 years old. So I think just don't get too far ahead of yourself in that regard and know that, you know, all along the way that there are steps to steps to be had and boxes to be checked, but people to include in that mix as well. Yeah. Agreed. So I didn't, I didn't, uh, I mean, I, I went to college, but I didn't finish, you know, okay. dropped out, you know, mm -hmm. not, not twice, but three times. Uh-oh. <laughs> man, you could have used, you could have used some TLC in your life, some little family <laughs> life coaching, man. I would have took care of you. Yeah, but I did, I did a semester and a half. Uh -huh. And I'll, and this is, this is a big reason why I constantly mention about the different styles of learning, because I'm very hands-on. Any, any class where I could be hands-on, I, I did great at it. Other classes, and, and then so now getting to college, and you got these two-hour lectures, and I'm I, I just couldn't do it. Sure. <laughs> I could not focus. Like my calculus class, I killed that one. Oh wow! But, but psychology, I couldn't get through it. You know, I, I just couldn't. And um, so I dropped out of school, said, and I started working as a restaurant manager. And so, but just throughout that process, I learned a lot. And without even realizing it, because when it's your job, it's just just your job. Right, it's just your but, job, exactly. Yeah, but it's like I learned hiring, I learned firing, I learned HR tactics, I learned sales forecasting, I learned income statements, profit and loss, accounting, budgeting. <laughs> like, like I learned a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so, like when I got into fitness, I kind of tripped into it. Like it was supposed to be a hobby, and it was a hobby that grew. <laughs> and so that's called a calling. Yes, ex exactly. Well, it. It came full circle when I got fired from my management job. Okay. That, that's when it came full circle. The, the universe was like, dude, pursue fitness. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, go. Like, stop messing with this. You don't want to be there anyway. Right. We, we just paved the way for you. <laughs> you, know? you know, but but the things I didn't know, rather than everyone's like, you know, you, you, you should just go back to school. You should just go back to school. I'm like, I have a track record of not finishing. So <laughs> there has to be another way. Yes, And then, as you were saying about mentors, so I got a business coach. I went to marketing masterminds. I went to branding masterminds. And I went to fit fitness business masterminds. Just went to all these things. I learned from these top performers in the industry. Yep. And that's where I gain, I gain my knowledge. Like when I'm on coaching calls and stuff, people are like, I, I can't believe you didn't, go, you didn't go to college. I'm like, there's other ways to gain, to gain your education. Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. Like, like it just wasn't for me. Like I'm not anti-college. Like my old, my oldest son graduated college. He, he's a mechanic now. Uh -huh. And and my oldest daughter, she's, she, she's a she's a junior in college now. Okay. You know, so like, even though I, I didn't go, I still, I still push it. If that's for you, 
you know, but 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 if it's not, that doesn't mean that you're doomed to flip flip burgers or pump gas. But that's exactly. what you that's what you're told in school. Exactly, exactly. No, and and it's true. And you know, it it's interesting because I mean, the business that I work that I do or that I you know, my, and my passion uh, passion project, at least as I like to call it, is in fact you know getting students in school and getting them acclimated. But I've also even had clients who necessarily weren't going to school, but needed not like four, two or four year school, but maybe need to go to, you know, a trade school, whatever the case may be. You know, those things lead to careers in the same way, in the same manner. And then sometimes, depending on how good you are at it, you know, can make just as much, if not more than otherwise. I think it's important for people to find their lane. And then once they find their lane, it's just roll with it and you know, and make it happen. Um, but I think, I guess in my from my humble opinion, opinion, at least, I think it's important for you at least to explore the options and at least be able to eliminate. Yeah. I think you eliminate by doing, not eliminate just by you know mindset and mind saying I'm I'm not going to or I can't do this. Yes. At least give yeah. it an attempt and a try. You know, a good college, good college try, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. See, so, and, and and that's how I knew because because I went. I'm like, I can't do this for four years. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I just can't do it. Like, it, it, I'm gonna be wasting my money. Right. Because because like I just don't retain that way. But like I could go to I could go to something like a like a workshop or or a set or a mastermind, and I yep. can come away from that with so much because a it's something I want to be learning. Right. <laughs> and I was like, that's the thing. It just, just just like with my older son, he struggled in school because he just, he didn't want to do any of that, but he loved cars. You know, he loved cars. I'm like, all right, so we need we need to find you uh, some type of college that deals with automotive. Yep. And he he went to, he goes to college. He's getting student of the month. He, he's getting he's getting all, all these accolades because he was something that was in his element. Like that's what he wanted to do. He didn't right. care about Western history. <laughs> he just did it, right. you know. Right. So, <laughs> all right. So, so take so take me through. So, you were third thirty years as an educator. Yeah. So, when did you make the switch to become an entrepreneur? It happened uh, probably. Well, it's funny because Robert, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I had this vision in my head probably ten or fifteen years ago, um, but. You know, I was, but I was playing the wrong tape. And so I was, I did, I didn't, I was like, I could, but you know, my family's still young. I could, but you yeah, know, you know, I had all these other things that were kind of going on, but finally. See, I, oh, sorry. Sorry. And that's exactly my point with the, but yeah, <laughs> right. It's exactly You're right. my point. But You're all right. You're right. <laughs> You're right. Um, but finally I, uh, my daughter was getting ready to go to, to, to college for her first semester. And I kind of, broached the idea of kind of this coaching idea in my head to someone that was at the school that was whose son or daughter was going as well. And she said, you know, listen, if I, if you were doing something like this, based on what I had described, you know, I pay, you know, for it. And I thought, wow, you know, I'm on to something. So I kind of thought about writing a book or a workbook or something along those lines, but again, nothing really came together in the way that it, that I wanted it to. Um, and the work, then the, current work that I do right now, I work for an ed tech uh, uh, organization and uh, and I do it remotely. I work, was working with a student who I never met other than just over the phone because, you know, that was at least 2014, 2015. That was, you know, basically kind of the mantra of what you, what you did. She ended up coming to my company meeting and uh, lo and behold, she talked about the experience she had in working with me. Uh, and how I was able to, you know, engage her and help her through the, the process, and especially at a kind of pivotal, pivotal, pivotal time and moment in her in her life. And so uh, she had actually had a business and was kind of doing some other things. And so I talked with her after, and I said, "Listen, I've got this idea in my head. I'm I'm tired of thinking about it. I want to put it into to practice." And so she gave me some tips and some insight on what to do from there. And so I began to kind of kind of work with it. It really all came to fruition, though, in 2018. Uh, and I got basically kind of had the the, 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 the bones and the, the muscles and the, you know, all the details related to it. And I said, well, heck, I'm just going to start coaching students uh, virtually or virtually, at least at that point. But just in, in my general area, I found a couple of students that were interested in it. I 
didn't you know charge them initially and i just want to see if it would work and lo and behold they you know got themselves a little bit more organized a lot more structured and the whole nine and it worked it's like great so i know that it, i knew it worked previously but you know times change and so you got to make sure you're up on things 2019 my pastor's wife asked me you know what i was going to be doing over the summer because i was done kind of coaching uh, students at that particular point she said you know you should write a book about what this whole experience is like and i it, you know I, the butt yeah, <laughs> the butt is going to stick with me now. I'm going to remember that. But I was like, nah, you know, I've never, you know, I've never done this before. I'm not sure if I can do it. Da 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 da. Well, I went on vacation for in, in uh, June of 2019, and I started writing. I was just like, you know, I'm just going to word vomit everything that I can think about, everything I know, in the way of kind of strategies and tips and things that I would offer to students, and it resonated. But there was something missing, and so it didn't really have a. The tips and strategies were there, but that's kind of like every book. So I thought, well, I need to really kind of add my own story to this so that it gives a little bit more context. So I did that. And then uh, so I did that in conjunction with the coaching business and the two kind of married each other. Uh, June 20, June 2020. I had this whole big opening. I thought about the book signing and everything else I was going to do. But the pandemic happened. So I was like, oh, now what do I do? Right. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, that, that that's a story by itself. But so what ended up happening was, is that by the time I got to um, the summer of 2020, I had the book written, I had the business up and was kind of looking for clients at that particular point. So I pressed, you know, send on my and putting it on Amazon and putting it on my site. Within the first two weeks of the um and by the way, just shameless plug, but here's the book. It's called Passing the Baton, nice. uh, a guided memoir of college success. Uh, I released it in June of 2019. I'm sorry, June of 2020. And within three weeks of it being out, it was the number one seller for on Amazon for uh, continuing in adult education and study skills. Love it. And from there, I, you know, in the beginning of my first contract, I've been working with students and I now coach students uh, in high school and in college in Maryland, Virginia, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, California. And I've actually had a student in Mexico as well. So nice. it's been a um, whirlwind of an experience, but it's been, you know, clearly great exposure. And, I, you know, I think I've benefited just as much, if not more, than the students that I've worked with. So. It's been great. It's been really good. So what would you say is the biggest takeaway in the book? I think the biggest takeaway in the book is that there are several, but the one I think that's most important is I offer students that they should have a client mentality going into college or going into high school. Much like when you go to, you know, you've worked in the restaurant business, but, you know, if you go to Outback and they make your steak wrong, you don't just accept the steak because they made it rare, but you want it yes. you know, medium or well. You let them know, hey, this this isn't right or this doesn't work for me for one reason or another, and it's your, their job to, to fix it. Now, this is this doesn't just fall specifically or exclusively on the college or university or the high school that you're going to. You have to bring something to the to the to the to the table yeah. as well. Yeah. So between what you bring to your to the table with your hundred percent and what the college university brings to their to the table with their hundred percent, you should be able to get a product or the thing that you're looking to get. If that's a degree, if that's you know whatever it may be in that regard. Um, but even if you're not necessarily getting you know if it's not necessarily college you're looking for, you're just looking to be at your best and be at the top of your game as best you possibly can. And so. That client mentality, if you can do it in high school, makes college that much easier. That client mentality, if you have it in college to start, makes everything so much easier. And you've got both of you, both of you have a vested interest because really what is a loyal customer to a university? That's an alumna. Yeah. Right. Yep. And that, that's then how you can go back to them and say, hey, look at what we did for you. You know, what can you do for us? And it's and it's a partnership and a, and a marriage, if you will, that yep. can and does happen for uh, for students. But again, you got to be invested in yourself, you know, to get there on time, 
to, to study and not just spend hours doing something and expecting that if it doesn't work, that the reason why it didn't work is because you put in so much time. It's, it's the quality. It's not the quantity of your time. It's the quality of your time. And so See? managing your, managing your, your life and your affairs in that regard is just as important. But I think having a client mentality going into it means that you're looking to bring something to that, to this uh, process as a service rendered, but you're going to get something on the outside, other side of it as well. Yeah. And I say all the time that this, this thing of, of, you know, just let, let the kids be, be kids. It's like, yes, you can let the kids be kids, but we have to teach them how to be adults. Yes. And we can't wait till they're an adult to teach them how to be an adult. (laughs) Like we have 18 years to get them ready. And then, and then here come all the excuses. And I'm like, well, 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 before you start excuse dumping on me, like I am a single parent of five children. So don't talk to me about excuses. I run a gym. I host a, I, I host a podcast. I, I'm a guest on other people's podcasts, and I'm a motivational speaker. You know, and the kids have track meets. They have they have uh, softball games, softball weekends. <laughs> you know, the yes. long softball tournaments, and and then there's chorus, and then there's band there's band concerts, and all of that stuff. Parent teacher conferences, like you you make it happen. It's like we make entertainment happen all the time. Yes, we you know? do. Like, it's like we'll get to the football game. We'll have girls' night. We'll have guys' night. Like we'll make time and all the sacrifices to entertain ourselves. But when it comes to actually improving ourselves, oh no, that might be a scam. Yeah, it might Something be a scam. To that. Yeah, it might be a scam. It's like exactly. I help I help people take the stories of their lives and turn them into something. Like how you you took the stories of your life, you turned it into a book. So. I, I helped this 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 woman create a podcast. You know, she's a clinical psychologist, and she was she was getting stuck in what to do. And and I told her, I said, because you're talking like you're talking to your colleagues. I said, we don't know that PhD jargon. Gotta meet them where they are. Exactly. Yep. Yep. You said that. You said that earlier. And same thing when I'm working with my fitness clients. I said this word earlier: simplicity. You know, keep things simple. Like we tend to just complicate things when yeah. it doesn't have to be. People are like, Rob, how do you get up at 420 every morning? I said, I don't have snooze on my phone. So when the alarm goes off, I am forced to get up. Yep. <laughs> that way there is that's no that, no snoozing. That's that it's just so interesting you say it because in the example, one of the examples they use in that TED talk that I talked about with the five second rule, that five second rule is, you know, you deciding to get up at 420 in the morning, not hitting snooze. Or yeah. Uh, getting up at 4.20 in the morning and knowing that that's just what your schedule is going to be. So it means you got to go to bed at nine o'clock at night, you know, and be yes. being dedicated to that and hustling, hustling, yeah. hustling, hustling. So no, I, I get it. I'm right there with you. Yeah, Although I'm not, a, I'm not a 4.20 in the morning riser, but <laughs> trust me, when I do wake up at 4.20 in the morning, there's something in my mind where I'm thinking that something that I need to do or that I'm going to do when I get up in the morning. So yeah, you wake up, your mind's fresh. Yep. And you can just just map map out what needs to be done. And exactly. I would say, especially for people with kids, is like if if you get up around the same time the kids get up, then the kids are going to consume your attention. But if you get up even an hour earlier, just one yep. hour earlier, and then people are like, oh, I can't do that. I'm like, it's not a waking up problem. It's a going to bed problem. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Like me, I don't do anything after 8 p.m. Nothing, because I'm usually knocked between 8.30 and 9. <laughs> That's just just how it is. So, someone asked me to speak on their show, but their show's at 9 p.m. I'm like, <laughs> like I don't know, because my body's just in a routine. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. Right. You know, because, like, for the, for, for the greater good, if I do that, then I'm going to pay for it on the other end, and my fitness clients are going to pay for it, because I'm not going exactly. to be I'm not going to be me. People don't understand. I'm so glad you said because one of, uh, um, again, amongst many lessons in the book is kind of the splash and ripple. You want an impact on individuals to be a splash so that it, you know, is like ripples, like uh, uh, a tidal wave coming in. Right. Mm -hmm. But you want your interference in other people's lives to be a splash like a pebble versus a rock. You just want it to, you know, to to be there. Um, So I, I definitely get it. Yep, absolutely. All right. So what's next for you? Well, I'm, I'm currently uh, still working at my ed tech uh, uh, position that I, that I work in. I am, uh, I 
professor at uh, a community, local community college where I teach a college student success class. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm doing this business. I'm uh, continuing to grow it. I've just met actually within the last probably 48 hours or so, I've met some people I need to follow up with, with regard to kind of being able to explain, expand my, 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 my scope and my touch uh, and uh, looking to do that in every way that I possibly can. I am, because uh, I think the book, I think the book is a good uh, illustration of kind of how it works, but I want to give people something tangible that they can work with. So I'm going to be working on a workbook, I think, over the next year or so or something that they can kind of tangibly take for themselves and then use mm. in that regard. Um, that will that will complement the book as well. Um, but really just looking to 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 get the, the word out and the, the message out that uh, this is a this is a doable process. It's you know, about you understanding for yourself uh, what I call the three C's, you know, being being competent in whatever subject matter area that you're looking for um, so that it gives you confidence in moving forward. And, you know, you can either give the information or use the informa information in one respect or another, um, because the ultimate uh, process with those two C's taken care of is being able to compete. And sometimes that's just with yourself. But really, it's with the global world that's out there. And so uh, I try and instill that those seeds, if you will, in uh, the, the students that I work with. And, you know, fortunately, up to this point, it, it's it's all been bearing fruit. So it it it, it makes the difference uh, and. You know, feel like I'm really in my feel like I'm really in the zone and really in my calling and just trying to make it happen in every way that I can. Love it. And like I said in my opening speech about confidence, when I work with athletes, I mean, let's let's go back to 1996. I, I was at a track meet, okay. I, and that and I love I love the title of, of your book because I'm a track and field guy. So there you go. I, I figured I figured that, that point of uh, reference would be would, would, <laughs> hopefully would resonate with people. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And so I was just at a track meet, just watching. I, I wasn't coaching or anything at this point, and saw this girl jump, and she's got springs in her legs. And she misses the bar. She's just in her head. The coach is trying to talk talk to her, and she just storms past the coach. And I'm just like, "Hey, say, like, come here." Now here I am, total stranger. She she comes right over. She's like, "Yes." I said, "Before your next jump, I want you to take three deep breaths, close your eyes, see yourself going over the bar, and then start start your jump." And she's like, "Okay." So she gets it's her turn again. She gets up. She makes it runs past her coach back to me and she, and she's like what other tips do you have for me you know and so so we're going through she ended up taking first that me but now but now here it comes the coach starts coming towards me because you know some coaches are very territorial oh, and of course. They, they don't want you talking to their athletes no, so no. The, the coach is coming over and she's like what did you say to her and so i told her what i said and she's like because she doesn't listen to anyone and so, so she's like, would you be interested in working with her? So I was like, I, I, I could, you know, because at the time I was working third shift. So I, I could. And let me tell you, so I worked with her for the rest of that year. And then I worked with her all of the next year. And she was it all, all of the next year. Yeah, because she was a junior that that year. I made a couple tweaks to her approach and we we worked on her takeoff. But I spent the entire season. Laura, you're the best in the state. Go prove it. Laura, you're the best in the state. Go prove it. And then I got to the point where I'd be like, let me hear the words. I'm the best in the state, and I'm going to go prove it. Right? She go. went undefeated, won, won the division, won the class, won the state, took second in New England's, got a full ride to Stonehill College. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And just the point of that is confidence is everything. She had she had all the tools already. Yep. She just didn't have the confidence. Like she would see other girls jump, like, oh, so and so's here. I'm like, so and so has to deal with you. Exactly. <laughs> like you don't have to deal with her. Like she's exactly. gonna deal with you. <laughs> and then once she adopted that mentality, she was unstoppable. Absolutely unstoppable. That's coaching 101. Yeah. Bottom line. Yeah, you're <laughs> exactly right. I mean, I think sometimes once they hear hear that and they're able to uh, not just hear it, but they're able to actually do it. And so they can see it for themselves and it becomes tangible. Um, 
it's very true. It, even now, you know, as I think about the students that I work with or that I've worked with in uh, in, in coaching, in coaching them, <clears throat> I'm like, you can manage your time. You really can. You have 168 hours in a day. I'm sorry, in a week. Yep. You know, a third of that's going to be sleeping. What are you doing the other two thirds? Yeah. Find the time, carve the time, make the time. And when you're doing it, make sure you're doing it at the quality that you need to, because although, um, you know, we're all attached, you know, this has been the biz- biggest distractor of, you know, every or any person uh, known to man who will let it because it will buzz and beep and everything else in between. And the way I got a, I got a tweet from Robert. I got a, I got a, I got a Instagram post from, I got to like this. I got to like that. Yeah, you do. But you know, is your work done? If you spend as much time and I tell this, this is something I actually do with my students even now that I teach in the community college. I'll tell them, I say, listen, cause we just talked about time management this week. As a matter of fact, yeah. I'll ask him, I'll say, okay, do me a favor right now. Just go to your phone and look at your screen time. And they're like, hmm. And you see them look like, why am I going to my screen time? And I, 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 I say, I'll say, I'm not going to ask you, but you know, look at how much time you spend on your on your screen, and maybe even look at last week or the average of what you've done over a span of time. And you can see them kind of look and look. I'm like, cut that by fifty percent. That's your time to study. That's your time to study. So if you got eight hours, you got now four hours you put back into your in your in your in your into your academics. And now we talk about that that full commitment that we talk about in the way of your investment and you getting a return on your investment and you being that much more vested and interested in what goes on, not only in class, but with, you know, how you study and how you approach it. You're right where you need to be. You're right where you need to be, but you know you you have to detach, you know, as much as you possibly can. I agree. All right, so let me get let me get your thoughts on this because I I always preach when I'm when I'm talking to schools about reverse engineering your college selection process. Okay. So so like so with my older son, it, it was easy because he was a fanatic. He's a fanatic about cars. So that was very easy. So it's like, all right, so you, you love cars, blah, blah, blah. So with my oldest daughter, it was more so she, she wasn't quite sure. So, so I, I said, okay, I want you to get a notebook. So I want you to write down everything that makes you happy. Absolutely everything. Whether it's singing in the rain, whether it's listening to music, whether it's hiking, whether it's sports, like everything that puts a smile on your face, you write it down. And then, so now from that list, Circle three things that you're the most passionate about. So then she circles the three. I said, so now if you could pick one group of people to work with, who would you want to work with? You know, so now she she grew up without her biological mom. Like she's okay. still she's still alive. She's just not in the picture. Got it. So so uh, so she's like, you know, I kind of want to work with other other girls who grew up with without their mom. You know, to maybe help them not feel what I feel. And I said, okay. So we jotted that that down. I was like, now what industries? can allow you to work with those people doing these things. And then we started writing out, out the industries out of all of those, which one stands out to you, you know, and that that's how we picked her major. Cause, cause I, I believe the number is 70%. Oh, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but 70% of people are in a field that has nothing to do with their degree. And True. They think it's cause they're just r- rushing in. I told her, I said, we're not going to spend all this money for you to freaking soul search. <laughs> I, said, I said we're gonna figure out yeah there are soul searchers out there and like, there are and, soul searchers out there yeah yes. so like and, and it's okay to pivot you know i said it's, it's okay to pivot if you, but if you if you know what you're passionate about yeah. is you're just pivoting the lane you know so like what i do in the gym and then when i started this podcast my delivery is the same like if, if someone needs to lose or wants to lose 50 pounds 20 pounds there's a process I just took that process and tailored it to business, to storytelling creation, to podcast creation. If someone wants to write a book or write a blog, this is the process. So, like, I didn't, I just changed platforms. Yep. So you, yeah. Right. Right. So when 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 the passion is there, 
okay, so I want to be a blog. All right, maybe blogging isn't for me. All right, I'll try podcast. Uh, maybe podcasting is for Maybe I'll be an author, you know? So it's like you, you're just changing which lane, but you're still in the same the same um, path. So what's your thoughts? No, I, I, I agree. I think I tell students, and maybe I fast forward a little bit uh, from this, because um, the group of students I work with right now are actually students who have a bachelor's and master's, and they're working on their doctorate. Okay. <clears throat> but one of the questions that I ask them or one of the things that I say to them is as they're beginning to think about writing a dissertation, because when you say dissertation, it, it's almost mirrors in some respects, you know, a, a major and you trying to find it when you're not really sure. Mm. But what I say, and it's funny you say it, say it almost the same thing that I say. You've been listening to my conversations. I, I can, <laughs> I, I can tell. <laughs> But I asked them, I say, don't think of this as a dissertation because that's like too daunting and too big. And it's, you know, all these pages and all this research and everything else. I'm like, what's your passion project? What is it? What what thing, what problem do you want to solve? Much like you said, what problem do you want to solve in the world? And when, and when you do that, you can almost hear the whoosh of like, wow, okay. I'm making this too big and too wonky and too complicated from what it is. It's just a simple, you know, that you're, I tell them that, listen, you're in the process of figuring out and finding out a specific expertise that people are going to get to know you by. Yes. So just, just, just think of it in that way. And so then you say, okay, well, I want to be an HR, but yeah, I want to be an HR, but I want to help um, black women under uh, into executive suite, um, uh, uh, positions and, you know, figuring out what the developmental process is with the mentor and with, you know, structured things that they can do. Perfect. Yeah. And something for as complex as that sound is pretty simple, but much in the same way, much in the same fashion, uh, that same kind of thing is what I uh, attempt to do with, with students as well is demystify it, break it down in smaller, biteable chunks so they can understand it uh, and, and work with it and then put it into place. I typically tell students when they say if they're undecided, I say, no, 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 you're not undecided. You know you want to be something. You're undeclared with what that looks like. So you can be undeclared and that makes more sense, but not undecided because decided undecided means you made no decision. Yeah. Undeclared See, means you haven't chosen the lane, much yeah. like you said, to yeah. get into. See, and I think I think parents play, play a big role in that too. And, and I'm de definitely not blaming my dad, because he wasn't wrong. I, I just wasn't I just wasn't the right person. Because this was back, I graduated in 1992. And, okay. he, and he told me, now he was an engineer. And so he told me, you want to get into computer engineering. And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> I was like, I want to be on TV. I said, that's me. I always saw myself being an actor, you know, which is why it's no surprise I'm doing this now. Like, I want to be in front of people you know, doing what I do. Right. And so he's like, he's like, no, I'm telling you, he's like, no, this computer thing is going to explode. He's like, he's like, you want to get in that industry. And so I signed up for it, but I mainly signed up for it because I was competing in track and I had Olympic aspirations. And then, so I ended up injuring my knee trying to qualify for the Olympic trials. And oh, then, wow. I got, then I got depressed because I'm taking all these classes that I have no interest in. Right. <laughs> and that was when I dropped out the first time. And then when I, when I went back, I said, all right, maybe I'll do physical ed physical education. You know, I said I did a I did a semester and a half, and I was like, I don't want to do physical education, and so I I left again because I was like, I'm not going to continue doing this and paying for this, knowing I don't want to be in that field. Right. You know, and then the third time it was it was a, a financial thing because I was working now at this point, and so I needed to make money to pay for school. Sure. And then right when I paid, my car broke. And I think I was like maybe a good 25 minutes from where I worked. And here in Rhode Island, that's that's a long way because Rhode Island's okay. this big. I so, know. I've actually been to uh, Narragansett and uh, Newport. Oh, nice. Okay, nice. Yeah. Where, yeah. where, where about are you? I'm in Cranston. Okay. I'm in the, mid, the middle of the state. Gotcha. But yeah, so I, I had to get that money back and buy a car because like I was managing restaurants it wasn't just like a you know like a ten dollar an hour cook job so right right so right. i was like i need my car and then i was like maybe this is the universe telling me to just stop trying there's other ways for you to get it done yeah you know so 
All right, give us some final words here. Wow. Um, well, Thriving Life Coaching is a academic readiness and um, coaching process that students go through to maximize their, their full potential. Uh, I've written a book about it. Uh, it's called Passing the Baton. It is a guided memoir of college success. Uh, it's a little bit of my story, but it's also from that of a practitioner and giving students tips and insight on themselves, but on really what it takes to be successful. Um, everyone is capable of creating their own legacy in one respect or another, but it starts with you. It's not, it's maybe with other people in mind, but it really starts with you and figuring out what that looks like and what that feels like. And, you know, clearly once you've hit your, your passion stride and passion lane, run with it. Don't turn around. And, uh, you know, I, I tell students more often than not to not pay so much attention to the rear view mirror as they are looking out the windshield. So be more in, uh, more in tune with your present and your future than your past. Yes. Love it. Perfect. All right. And so can your book be, be found at your website here? Yes, can be found on the uh, on the website and at, uh, and on Amazon as well. But if you buy it from me, I will uh, I'll sign it. More than happy to. Nice. All right. And so for those that will be listening on the audio, it's Reginald R E G I N A L D writer R Y D E R dot com. So check it out. Thank you very much for taking the time to share with us and. You know, learned a learned a good good amount here. You know, we're both definitely on the same the same wavelength. And I, I actually haven't listened to any of your stuff. We're just on the same wavelength. <laughs> it's, it's like <laughs> I I try to know as little about the guests as possible before the show. You know, that's just fine. To see, just to see what what comes up. <laughs> you know, fantastic, so. fantastic. Well, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, hey, if there's uh, bandwidth and capacity to do this again or some more, I'm more than happy to do so. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, don't don't check out yet. If, if you okay. have, have a few more minutes, because I just want to tell you some things off, off the air. Sure. All right. So I'll see you in a minute. All right. Thank you. All right. So that was Reginald dropping some knowledge about his experience and expertise working with students. So if any of that resonated with you, again, go to his site, ReginaldWriter.com. Pick up his book. See what, see what he, he's all about. Schedule some time to have, have a, a conversation because you never know where it might lead. Remember, he had a conversation had, had a conversation with someone and it completely changed his world just from put, putting it out there into the universe. So tomorrow we have all-star panel number two, which I'm sure Reginald will be invited back to participate in. So we have Portia Booker, Mike Barker, Noble Gibbons, Carlika Menendez, Dr. Lona Cook, and Amber Furman. And we're going to be discussing how to prioritize yourself when everyone else needs you. So that's tomorrow at 12. It'll run between 60 and 75 minutes. I want to make sure all the speakers have ample time to talk. And then we'll be doing another one. I believe the next one is November 18th. And so... I'm going to leave it there. So thank you very much for tuning in and see you guys tomorrow. Take care. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Till next time, shut up. <laughs>